This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays, 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, like internet porn is not new. I mean, any, any more than the internet itself is. But it's, it's a big part of the internet. And the internet has obviously become much more easy to access. Not like the early days where you had the, the family computer and you had the dial-up uh, internet connection. I mean, you know, people today have, with their devices, uh, instant access to pretty much anything they want, wherever they want. And, and yeah, that includes uh, pornography. So there's a real challenge when it comes to, to young people and, and how to talk about this. And certainly I think there are things parents can do to be aware of what their kids are doing online, to kind of monitor what they're doing online, to block certain, certain kinds of content. But is that enough? And I think this question has come up certainly in the context of the curriculum review in Alberta and sex ed in particular, does sex ed curriculum need to reflect kind of the realities of today? And so how does that address issues like pornography? So the kids have some kind of basis of knowledge to understand that, that what they're seeing isn't, isn't normal, that it's, it's certainly not a representation of uh, intimacy or relationships. Right? But I don't know the kids are getting that. But, I mean, the evidence seems pretty clear that, I mean, kids do access pornography. And so what's the impact of that? And, and are there ways that, that conversations can be had to at least mitigate the, the impact that that might have on them? So, again, it's certainly an important issue. Uh, it's the subject of a lengthy uh, piece at uh, New York Times Magazine. And it uh, explores in particular the approach being taken by a program in Boston that's attempting to teach teens what's essentially media literacy when it comes to this kind of content. Joining us to talk more about all of this is the author of this piece, Maggie Jones, is a contributing writer at New York Times Magazine, nytimes.com. Maggie, uh, welcome to the program. Glad to be here. Thank you. I mean, I guess internet porn is as old as the internet itself, but what, what prompted you to take a closer look at, at some of these issues? Well, the class itself prompted me to take a closer look at it. I had heard that there was this class, which... Um, you know, anytime I mentioned it to anybody that there was a class teaching porn literacy to teenagers raised eyebrows yeah. um, because it's such a taboo subject. Um, so through looking at the class, I then expanded outward to um, interview a lot of experts about what we know and what we don't know about teens and watching online porn. Right, because, I mean, that, that's the reality of, of today is that uh, teens have smartphones, teens have devices, and porn is literally just a click away. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. When you look at, um, you know, Alexa's top 100 sites, um, several among those are porn sites, and Pornhub has, you know, um, millions and millions of viewers 
uh, every day with millions of clips on it, and it's incredibly easy to access, very different from the days of Playboy magazine. Right. I mean, a generation ago, was it was hard for young people to, to get their hands on it. These days, it's almost hard for them to avoid it, it seems. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, one of the things that's fascinating about, you know, the research that we do know about teenagers and watching on porn is how many kids come across it the first time accidentally and how many are not happy that they're seeing it. Um, and they may that may happen at very young ages. And then when they're older, they may go seeking it. But, you know, it's often appearing in social media or because they are Googling something and mistyped and then are bringing up um, a bunch of links to porn videos. So the, this unique approach that you, you, you talk about, this, this class, I believe it's in, in Boston. So it's uh, got an official title, as you describe it here, The Truth About Pornography, a pornography literacy curriculum for high school students designed to reduce sexual and dating violence. It's a lengthy title, but it is kind of a, a unique, almost groundbreaking, you might say, approach to confronting this. It is, um, especially here in the United States. There are some, um, Australia has a program that's more extensive than this, but um, it is groundbreaking, you know, in part because we're so scared about talking to teenagers about sex, much less pornography. And, um, and it is no accident that it takes place in an after-school program, not in a public school program, mm -hmm. because I think it would be very hard to get something like this in the public schools. Well, it would be. I mean, we're going through it here where we are, an entire curriculum review, but certainly a big part of that conversation is about sex ed and, and the kinds of issues maybe that we, we need to be confronting or, or conversations we need to be having about young people knowing that this is, is the reality of today, but it's, it's an uncomfortable topic. It is, and yet, you know, if we so if we're avoiding talking about sex ed, and then we have this incredibly easy access to online porn, there's this vacuum that's created, and we can hardly fault our children for, um, you know, among the other reasons that they seek out porn is to understand how bodies and how sex works, and of course. Mainstream online pornography is a rather warped um, education tool. It is. Um, I mean, everybody agrees that, that we don't want young people accessing pornography, but I think there, there's a lot of disagreement maybe, or different perspectives anyway, on what it is specifically we're worried about. Are we worried that they're going to turn into to sex criminals? Are we worried that they're going to have more sex or have sex at a younger age? Are we worried that it's going to warp their perspective of sex and affect their relationships? What is the, the overarching concern here? Do you think? Well, I do think this is where we have to be very careful about how we think about this. Um, as I say in my story, you know, we shouldn't make this leap, a huge leap to thinking, oh, all these boys are going to turn into, you know, um, sexually aggressive um, predators and um, and warp their libidos. I mean, there's a lot of talk about porn addiction, which we actually don't have evidence that there is there you can be compulsive about pornography, but it doesn't work the same way on the brain as a drug does. I think what we really should be worried about is is that if that's the message you're getting about sex, you know, it's it's supposed to be fantasy. But if you're taking it as reality, what does that do in terms of how you think about 
pleasure and what girls want and how you're supposed to act as a man or how you're supposed to act as a young female. Um, there's no, for, for at least many kids, there isn't a counter narrative. And so it's, it's the fear that, that this is their sex education and that they will use lessons from it that aren't the lessons we want them to take. Right, because I think most adults, or or certainly those who have have been in relationships and and you know have some experience, for lack of a better term, under their belt, that you know if if we come across a, a clip of this, or you know we we see pornography somewhere, that we can we can assess it critically. That oh my God, this is ridiculous. People don't look this way. People don't interact this way. Certainly, most people don't have have sex this way. But I, I guess for, for young people who don't have that, that base of knowledge, they're, they're coming at it completely unequipped. Yeah, and, it, you know, it surprised me. I mean, I, I, how many kids with variety of backgrounds were coming to it unequipped? And there's, um, you know, a senior in high school in the story who says there's nowhere else to learn about sex. So if you haven't had sexual experiences yourselves and, right, haven't had it been in a long-term relationship with somebody who communicates, why wouldn't you think this is the way that it goes? I mean, we, we certainly we want to give teenagers credit and they're smart and incisive in lots of ways. But if we haven't given the tools, that we haven't even given them media literacy tools to sort of say, okay, this is what sells, but this isn't necessarily um, – what my experience is going to be like. Again, um, we shouldn't be demonizing teenagers for this. It's it's the lack of knowledge that we're giving them. Right. But it almost seems like a harm reduction kind of approach where, you know, we're, we're accepting that it's it's there and we're, we're trying to, to give teens the, the tools they need to, to cope with this world. I, th- I think maybe there are those who still think that we can somehow um, put the genie back into the bottle and, and keep this away from young people. Right, which I think is naive <laughs> for right. those who do think that. Um, you know, we're not going to shut, um, we're not going to shut the internet down. We're not going to shut porn on the internet down. And frankly, you know, especially for older teens, they're going to find ways around filters if they want to find ways around filters. And w- one of the things that really impressed me about this program was the acceptance of reality. We assume lots and lots of teenagers are going to see porn. So what can we do to make them better equipped, more literate, which may or may not make them watch less porn. I mean, you know, from many of the teenagers I talked to, it did actually make them watch less porn, but that really isn't the goal of the program. The program's goal is if you're going to watch it, understand the gender dynamics that are being shown, the racism and other stereotypes that are in pornography. Well, I, I mean, I suppose making pornography seem boring is, is maybe one way to, to steer kids away from it. But uh, as you say, then that's not the express goal of this program. Right. I mean, it's interesting. The um, One of the creators of the program had said that to me repeatedly. If It's a happy byproduct if some of the teenagers watch less, um, but but that's it's not an attempt to shut them down. And we know enough about teenagers um, psychologically to know that we're not going to strong arm them into not doing something. Uh, it's a far better approach to 
to make them think about it and understand whether it aligns with their values, if if they think it's affecting their relationships in some ways. Um, and with many teenagers, it did seem to have that effect, mm-hmm. that it just became less appealing. And I think part of what became less appealing to them was understanding some of the porn industry and how it works and um, the the working conditions, at least I wouldn't say across all of the porn industry. There, You know, there's feminist and ethical porn that is different, but certainly in the mainstream online porn that teenagers are seeing. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's echoes of the condom debate in a way, right? Because, you know, there were those who say, look, if we're, we're giving kids condoms or explaining to them what condoms are, that they're more likely then to, to go out and have sex. But others would say, well, no, I mean, is, this is about helping kids make smarter decisions. And that, that seems to be kind of the, the issue at hand here. Right, right. The condom debate and, and sex education on the whole debate, yeah. right? If we teach yeah. If we teach kids about how their bodies work and... Um, some of the mechanics about sex, are they all going out and having sex? Evidence shows that that's not the case. And um, I suspect a class like this, even if you have not watched pornography, and certainly just from my interviews with teenagers, many of them had not or had watched very little. They were not more intrigued to go watch it after the program. Um, and I think it goes to this fear that, or this naivete we have that, oh, teenagers aren't watching it, and a program like this could make them watch it. Yeah. The evidence seems to be the opposite. Indeed. Well, some fascinating issues explored in this piece. People can find it again, nytimes.com. Maggie, thanks so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. Thanks so much for having me. All right, very interesting. Maggie Jones, contributing writer of the New York Times Magazine, nytimes.com. Our number here, 403-974-8255. Back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.